Hi, everyone. Uh, if you are new this morning, welcome. My name is Manny Pollard. I'm one of the pastors here at Aletheia. Welcome, everybody, online. We're so glad you could join us. Um, how many of us are recovered from the time change yet? Oh, I got one. Uh, yeah, probably because you're up so early or something anyway. It doesn't... <laughs> Uh, man, it's like, you know, and then you got March Madness, which is really exciting. Um, any, you know, March Madness fans here watching all day long? Oh, man, it's been a good time. Um, it's the only time I catch basketball, but it's been a good time. Um, but hey, I'm so glad that you all could be here this morning. Uh, we are going to be in uh, Genesis 43, which is a story of Joseph um, being reacquainted with his brothers um, and some other things going on. If you hadn't had a chance, I'd definitely encourage you to go check, um, you know, our previous sermons of how we got here. Uh, but before we jump in, just let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll get into Genesis 43 and do a quick recap of 42, all right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that we can come here this morning uh, together. God, I pray that you, um, would you just keep and eliminate the distractions uh, for us to hear your word clearly, what you have uh, in store for us as um, followers of Christ. I pray for those that um, are here this morning that just have a lot weighing on their hearts and minds, uh, Lord, that you would cut through those things and bring peace uh, to us. And we, just, we pray these things um, because we trust you and love you, um, and you would continue to allow us to walk out our salvation and fear and trembling uh, through your word, and we thank you that we can do that. I pray for the children in the back. I pray it's a great time of um, just laughter and also learning uh, more about you and the truths of your word, uh, that that would edify them and build them up as well. And we thank you for those faithful volunteers um, that care for them so well. pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so last chapter in 42, uh, before we jump into 43, uh, I just always think this is helpful. Joseph, uh, you know, was imprisoned, and then he helps Pharaoh with a dream, and Pharaoh says, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to put you in charge of all of Egypt, right? So God has continued to be faithful to Joseph, and then in 42, the brothers um, of Joseph are sent by Jacob down to Egypt to bring back food, and Joseph recognizes them, and they um, basically are accused of being spies right? And they're not honorable men. Um, again, there was a, a famine going on, which Joseph had dreamed about, or helped, sorry, helps Pharaoh interpret that dream. And uh, there's this one part, though, when the brothers are kind of questioned about being spies. Um, in chapter 42, verse 21, um, it says, surely we are being punished because of our brother. Who, who's that brother? That's Joseph, because they had sold him, or sold him into slavery. Um, and we, st we saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That is why this distress has come to us. Now notice in that chapter 42, 21, um, really in the account when Joseph is sold into slavery, it doesn't talk about how he's distressed in, in pleading for his life. It just says, he's gone. They send him on the way. He's out of here, and he just gets sent down. Uh, eventually ends up in Egypt because he's sold into slavery to someone else, right? And so they are remembering the account years later of what they had done to Joseph, okay? And so they, he's questioning about, are you honorable men? Are you trustworthy men? Even though Joseph knows who they are, they just don't know 
who he is. And he tells them, if you're honorable men, how about you, I keep one of your brothers, and, you know, he interrogates and gets to them about a younger brother, um, Benjamin, right? And he says, how about you bring back your younger brother, and I'll keep Simeon. And so they have to come back with some probably troubling news to who? Jacob. Jacob is waiting for them to come back with food, and they come back with food, but they come without one more, and then also have to break some news of, hey, not only are we we don't have Simeon. Uh, th- this man wants us to come back down to, you know, I guess be introduced to, uh, you know, Benjamin. And that doesn't sit really well with Jacob, right? And that disturbs him. And so they go back home. And then there's one other piece to it is they find the, the money that they had brought down to purchase the grain uh, from Egypt is actually still in their bags. And that brings a little bit more confusion um, also some fear because they're not really understand. It's frightened them, and they're, they're worried about punishment. So as we go into 43, um, time has actually passed, so much time. Uh, you'll see it right here at the beginning. So get your eyes on 43, verse 1. And I'm not going to read through the whole thing. Usually I'll read through the whole chapter. We'll just touch on different parts of it, and we'll unpack some things. But uh, 43, verse 1, it says, Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, real quick, so, so much time has passed, all the grain that they had brought back is gone. All right? So Jacob obviously was probably processing and thinking through, is this really worth it? Or it could actually just show what kind of state Jacob was in. We get in that state, right? We procrastinate because of dark days. Sometimes we're, we're lazy, and sometimes we just don't want to deal with the issues that we have. Even if there are things that have come upon us that we didn't really wish for. I mean, Jacob was expecting to get grain, and he finds out some fun news that he has to possibly send down his younger, youngest son, and his other son is missing. So then, right now, he's thinking about three sons that might be gone, right, with Simeon. So verse 2, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again and buy us a little food. <laughs> but Judah's like, said to him, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. So he's, he's reminding him, dad, do you not remember what we just told you? That's how much time has probably gone by. Saying, hey, if, don't show your face here until you bring your younger brother. Right? That's what he's saying. So you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Verse 4, if you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel responds, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? And there's some reply saying, well, were we supposed to lie to him even more? Right? Were we supposed to just not be truthful about it? They didn't know this was Joseph, but they thought this guy was just had a lot of hindsight and, or sorry, insight and understanding, and you know how to converse. Um, and so, you know, Jacob is pretty frustrated. Actually, in verse fourteen of this chapter, he talks about how he's bereaved, and what, what is what does it mean to be bereaved? It's, it's suffering because of loss. A lot of times, it's like you know, death in your life. But I think you can have bereavement beyond just, you know, death in your, in your families or 
in relationships. Um, so Jacob is in a very dark place, and so he's not thinking clearly. And the sons are recognizing this, right? Um, and they, <laughs> they are trying to talk him down and kind of out of this dark place, saying, hey, like, we do need grain, but we can't go back there without Benjamin. And it's becoming more evident. Um, and Judah starts to respond. And so in verse 8, it says, And Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the boy with me, and he will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. So notice what's happening here is Judah, one of the ones that was responsible for Joseph's, you know, basically terrible suffering, is actually working towards repentance. And how does he do that? He's actually taking some responsibility. If, if you go back to 42, uh, who is not taking some responsibility is Reuben. Reuben is kind of cowering and just like keeps sweeping things under the rug. Uh, but what is happening for Judah is he's having, maybe you call it an aha moment, but it's really just a moment of saying, I want to make this right. I see the despair that my father has. I, you know, through the time that I had to sit before this man that I didn't know was Joseph, we just get the privilege of knowing that he's Joseph, um, he's being convicted more and more. And so how do we seek repentance? One way is, is to actually take responsibility of our actions. Notice he doesn't confess anything here. He just, he, I, I believe it was a genuine repentance of not trying to kind of, what was the right word? Um, I guess, you know, make up for his own problems and try to, to kind of make this facade that he truly wanted to bring, uh, to be honoring to Jacob and say, hey, I'll go. I'll be a pledge. I'll be a pledge, uh, meaning that, you know, I'll volunteer as tribute um, to, to, take this, to take Benjamin down and, you know, honor the process, even with this man in Egypt, uh, the ruler of Egypt. Now, Jacob comes to his senses and, you know, says, okay, uh, I'm hearing you. I'm starting to come uh, to an understanding like that this is inevitable, right? That it's inevitable that um, this is what needs to be done. There really is no, you know, I guess scientific fact about how long this takes, but enough time that it, I think it's starting to worry everybody. And it's probably weighing on Judah and a bunch of the other brothers that we also have these bags full of cash and other things that we don't know how they ended up back in our bags. Um, and so they're worrying about that too. And they're probably worried about Simeon in some way, considering they already have, you know, at this point, Joseph blood, Joseph's blood on their hands as well. So uh, they're, they're working through it. But Jacob comes back to his senses, and he, he blesses them, you know. And how does he bless them? Uh, verse 12, or no, sorry, verse 11, he says, Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Okay, so you have my blessing to go down. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags. Carry a present down to the man, a, a little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an, an oversight. 
Okay. Take also your brother and arise, go again to the man. Now, watch this. He, he also does send them with a blessing, which we'll, we'll come back to. But he says, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your, brother, or your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So he's coming to some grips of, maybe I'll be in this suffering for some good time, you know, for a while. And so what happens now is, is they go down, and we'll, we'll go down to 18, okay? Uh, but this is where it gets a little more intense, um, and, you know, this story continues on, and it can get a little more intense. I don't think it's interesting, but they arrive, and what is their initial reaction? They're, they're fearful. They're worried. In verse 18, um, it says, And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph ha- Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money which was re- replaced in our sacks the first time, that we were brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. Okay, so again, they're, they're worried that, you know, this guy, this ruler, is going to seize them and make them slaves. Just, let, well, they don't even know that he was made a slave, but that's what they were, were worried about. Verse 19, so they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of the sack. Our money is in full weight, so we have brought it again with us. And we have brought more money and other money down with us to buy some food. We do not know who put the money in our bags. Now watch this. This is a really cool turning point. They're living in fear, and what does the steward say? He says, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Okay, so this is not Joseph talking. This is a steward of Joseph, someone that's a servant of the house that Joseph is in and is taking orders from him. And it says, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and we had given them their donkeys fodder. So he's, what's happening is they went from fear to all of a sudden like, hey, peace be with you, you're going to be taken care of. All the worries, all the things you're worried about, that's not going to happen here. Again, we're recognizing that Joseph is kind of setting a different precedent than what they're used to. Someone that, that is kind of living in fear, and this person is living with some mercy and compassion. The same prayer that, that Jacob had for them. May mercy fall on you and be with you. So as time goes on, right, that Joseph recognizes that Benjamin is with them, um, you know, when they're, they're showing up. And over time when he starts to see that Benjamin is with them. It says in verse 30 that Joseph hurried out because he had compassion that grew warm for his brother. And he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and he wept there. Um, Now, after that, he comes out and allows them to, you know, or kind of carries on the ceremony of, of welcoming them in and saying, you know, 
I want you to, to celebrate with me and have a feast. 32, sorry, verse 32 says, Then they served him by himself and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portions was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. So first thing to notice there, when, when they sit down for the feast, uh, they're put in, you know, line of birthright. They're, they're like amazed, they're like astonished, like, how did he know that we were in the right order, right? Well, of course, well, they didn't know that he was Joseph. But to them, that was another, again, another thing leading them to understanding and seeing God's kindness. And then the, the next thing that happens is this test for them. So portions were taken, so this is 34, portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times the amount. Okay, So uh, we've seen this pretty often now throughout the Old Testament is the stories of, you know, there's this birthright where the oldest has rights to a big, bigger portion, but in God's story, that's not usually the case. And this is a test of their faith. Because how did this all start? It started because Joseph had a dream. Remember, he had a dream about how these she's were bowing before something, and that represented them, and they did not like that. And so how, however much time has gone by, their reaction is, is totally different. God uses this, this situation for them not to, you know, it doesn't talk about how they overreact and like, I can't believe that Benjamin got five times the amount than we did. That really, that, that they are starting to understand and, and certain things are being revealed to them um, that things work a little bit differently here before this man, Joseph. Now, spoiler alert, later on they find, about, find out about Joseph, but that's not the point today. You know, and I and I had talked with the worship team about how um, usually I have like sixty things that I take out of this, and I share like all these fun things. But there's one thing that I think that that we kind of need to concentrate on from this specific story, okay? And it's that this story sheds light on you know the ultimate glory in being of God being a gracious and kind God towards us, just like Joseph was kind towards them. It is a reflection of that. You know, Joseph showed love and kindness towards his brothers instead of, you know, kind of giving them what they deserved. Now, they were walking in fear. You know, I, I would say rightfully so, right? They, they were worried because their sin was catching up to them. Their decisions, they were having to face them. Now, you ever been like the brothers where, you know, you just carry heavy burdens in your life? And some of the heavier ones are the ones that people can't see. Right? We, we can see people running around fr frantically or dealing with really serious, you know, situations in their families, uh, you know, when it comes to financial turmoil or, you know, 
maybe catastrophic things that are happening in their businesses. Those things happen, but they're pretty evident. But some of us can walk through these doors and, and have things that weigh on us that no one else can see. And this is what's happening with these brothers. And it's, and it's like you think that you're marked with something and that no one else sees it. We get paranoid. Um, and the church, universal, has not always done a good job at being gracious and kind towards those that walk through these doors like that. Right? We, we, we sometimes think, well, what are they going to try to catch about me and those heavy burdens that I have? Uh, maybe it's you know, weighing with the sins that we have committed or the, the sins of omission, right? Sometimes we feel so exposed. Uh, anyone ever had like, you know, a nasty zit on your face or a boil on your nose, right? Th- those like, you walk around and they feel like they're gargantuan for you and you're like, oh, I don't want anyone to see it. I don't want anyone to see this. Um, I remember one time I had a canker sore on, on my lip and I was paranoid and I would go talk with people and finally, one of my friends was like, dude, what's going on with you? And I was like, well, I just have this, feels like a ginormous, you know, sore on my lip. And he's like, honestly, it's really, it's really not that bad. Right? It's, it's really, it's not that bad. And, you know, after he talked me off the, fi- the fence, right, it, it kind of brought some relief. And again, yeah, I should take care of that, you know. And we have to take care of the burdens that we have in our life and the things that we need to repent of. And trust me, they, they are starting to see this, and that's what's going on with Judah, it's going on with some of the other brothers, is that they're starting to, to recognize that God is going to deal with them in a different way, in a merciful way, in comparison with the way that they treated Joseph. Right? And, and for us, it's possible, okay, that God is trying to reveal something that's really important right now for you. But again, it's, it's not to expose you before everybody or to be a threat for your life, but actually to help you live in freedom. To live you know, righteously before the Lord. And that's, that's an important message because um, if, if we don't catch that, we miss out on the beautiful things of, of God being a compassionate, loving God. And instead, we, you know, God gets a bad rap just because of something that we, we project on him. And we really need to go back to the truth of that. In, in Joel 2.13, um, he says, And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Second Peter three nine also states, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." That's what's happening with these brothers. I mean, could you imagine the angst they have? They're like, "Oh my goodness, like." Where did this money come from? And we still have to go back there. Again, it's a beautiful story of, of God, you know, 
kind of fulfilling a promise that he has to be merciful and compassionate towards them. Now, Jacob sent them with all these gifts and possession, you know, possessions, spices, gum, honey, um, you know, double the amount of money just in case. Why do you think he did that? Fear, right? I think, I think it was fear, and then I, I think that, that their hope was that the gifts would cover their guilt, right? The things that we bring, we think somehow that's going to cover the guilt we have. And again, I don't know what you come in with, you know, those invisible burdens, but they're there. And there's no amount of money, no amount of possessions that you can bring that covers that guilt. Right? When we, when we give of our tithes and offering, we call it joyful giving because we get to live in the joy of being free to do that because of what Christ has done for us. Again, not to make you know, amends for our sins. That's a totally different religious system. But that's what Jacob did, right? Of course, he didn't know that his sons did this to Joseph, so I'll cut him some slack, but that's what he was hoping to represent by sending those gifts. And it, to be fair, too, it's also customary to send a lot of things, but he was just covering every base that he could. The most important one, though, I believe, was his prayer of, God's mercy and kindness over them. Now, maybe, you know, you're someone that feels exposed this morning or you feel exposed going into any church, sitting down anywhere amongst anyone because you think that someone's just going to try to catch you. That the pastor's going to say something that, you know, brings some angst. And maybe you feel like you have to repay a debt to make up for something. But God wants us to live differently, just like what Joseph was trying to instill, right? It's tough, though. You know, um, if you've ever had to have a really hard conversation with someone, um, I'm going to tell you, you know, trying to have that hard conversation where you're trying to, like, bring the fear of God in them isn't super effective. I've basically failed every time. But when we come in gentleness, okay, and kindness, um, it's, it can be effective without jumping to a conclusion. So, so Joseph, again, is being very patient, you'll notice. I mean, he's sitting down. This feast isn't just like, you know, the 30-minute, you know, awesome American dinner, you know. It's, it's a feast, and they're enjoying themselves so much so um, that some interpret you know, that they were merry and having a good time to, you know, just, they were having a really good time, you know? And, but for, for me, when, if you ever walk in a situation where there is, you know, necessity, I've been, I've been sharing this with some of my friends, is that the transformation um, happens over the table, okay? When you sit down with someone and you have a meal with someone and you're doing it with a genuine, you know, heart, maybe there's no... I don't know, no divide or no wall up between you, but sometimes there is, you know, coming to the table, you know, it can transform things. Jesus did that with the disciples all the time. He did it with the tax collectors all the time. <laughs> Transformation can happen at the table. Um, and again, it's, it's, you know, 
him, again, trying to show his grace and kindness. And Joseph is just a great illustration of that. And now, make no mistake, God does want us to come to him in repentance. Okay? It's not to skirt our issues under the table. But we, don't we have to come to those conclusions ourselves to bring those before the Lord? Like, no one, I can't just drag you over there without you recognizing that you need to bring what you need to bring to the Lord. And that's what Joseph, is, he's being so kind for, for them. And, and he's got his own, you know, stuff that's going on in the back of his mind too, you can imagine. But God is the one that allows us to, to bring those things before him because he, he wants to pay those in full. And who did that for us? It was Jesus. We think that we can throw the money on the table and everything's going to be fine, and that, that's just not the case. So he's the one that pays our debts. And, you know, that's through Jesus. And God, God demonstrates this, you know, in his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. And th this is what that story is trying to make a reflection of. And so I, usually I invite the, the worship team to come up and they play the song behind me. But I, I wanted just to take a minute, you know, what is it that's keeping you from being in communion with God today? What is the burden that you need to bring to him? So I want you to take a minute in silence and really reflect on that. And then I'll, I'll, the team can come up whenever, but we're going to just go into worship. And I, told, I was telling you, it was short. It was short today. Because Joel will be up in a couple weeks, right, Joel? <laughs> but take a minute and say, what is it that is keeping me from being in communion with the Father? Why don't you go ahead and do that? And then I'll have the worship team come up, but you guys could do that for a second, too. As they're coming up here, First uh, John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, listen. The story of Joseph is amazing because it, it sheds light on God's ultimate mercy and compassion for you. And it's through a story like this that we get to see how that love and kindness is, is lived out. So we're going to be jumping into worship. Um, I'll come back up and share. i just like to share more scripture verses with you. Um, but we're going to jump into some worship time and response. Um, but if you need prayer, I'm already going to just offer it. I'll be sitting over here. Um, but let's just continue to worship the Lord and celebrate what he has already done for us. Amen. So last week I, was, uh, I had the privilege of teaching at a different um, congregation up in Monument, um, we, and we talked about fasting, and I did that in the midweek seek um, to share with you a little bit on it. And there's this story that Jesus shares as a parable um, before the self-righteous. Um, it comes from Luke 18, 9. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, and Jesus told this parable of two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, 
robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this parable, you know, is shared in, you know, later there's this man named Paul who was a Pharisee. And he shares with Timothy kind of this, this, this realization that he has of the way that God really sees him. And he says, I've received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, which was a sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. His perfect patience as an example of those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Again, this, this story of Joseph is just displaying God's perfect patience towards us. Towards us to, to not get caught up in our own self-righteousness. To come before him in humility. To seek him in repentance so that we can walk in freedom from our sins. And so as we continue to respond, we can respond in praise and worship. We also have um, to, uh, the remembrance of what Christ did for us on the cross through communion or surrender through joyful giving. And I would encourage you to, to ask to receive prayer. If it's not from me, but from someone else, I'll, again, I'll be up front. Or we usually have a woman from the women's ministry praying if you're more comfortable doing that. But again, it's, it's again to, not to have that I got you moment, but more of, you know, I receive you and I accept you. That is the heart of God, and that is what Joseph is teaching us in this story. When he has all the right in the world to, you know, really banish them and put them into slavery, what he wants for them to experience is ultimate freedom. And that's what God wants for us too, is to be free. So let's continue to bring uh, praise and response in that way as we worship.